0: As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, bacon and ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. With five seconds, he's going to throw it. Howard leaps.
1: He has it. Touchdown, Carolina. Back from the dead to tie the game with two seconds to go. Snap back, spot down. The kick is cleanly away. It is good! And it's (laughs) Hawker with a 54 yard field goal. And how about them Tar Heels? They do it! Here's Cupack.
0: Jordan back to kick. It's blocked again. Picked up.
1: It'll be a touchdown, Carolina, for Bracey Walker. He blocks his second punt and scores his second touchdown of the season. It's 14 to 13. Mr. Jordan meets Mr. Walker. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35, seal he's at the 50, no he's not, yes he is, Gio, he's going to take it
0: for a touchdown, are you kidding me? This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast on Spreaker.com. Hey guys, and welcome to this edition of the Heel Tough Vlog Podcast. Anthony Pagnotta hanging out with you guys once again, of course, the host of the Heel Tough Vlog Podcast, and today we're going to recap the spring game that happened this past Saturday, and to do so, Tar Heel Illustrated's Jacob Turner has agreed to come back and hang out with us. So, uh, Jake, hey man, uh, it was a pretty fun experience out there on Saturday, you know, the weather early on in the day wasn't looking all that great, I think that might have been one of the reasons why there weren't. As many fans there as some Tario fans originally thought, but it ended up being some great weather, and we ended up seeing some pretty good football.
1: Yeah, we got lucky. You kind of summed it up right there, Anthony. I know when I got there, I got to Chapel Hill around probably two thirty, and it was miserable. Driving there it was miserable. Mm-hmm. It had been raining all morning. Uh, I was up early. Uh, doing some other stuff that Saturday, and it was pouring down rain in the morning, and then as soon as the game starts, well, right before the game starts, I should say, the sun comes out, and it's a beautiful day. I think if people would have known that, more people would have come. Still a decent crowd for uh, uh, the opening spring game. Like I said, we talked about this on the last podcast, but you can't really take away too, too much from the spring game, but you do get to see some guys in action that you haven't seen play in, I guess, what, four or five months, so that's always a good thing, but I enjoyed it. I think that we saw some good football. I think we saw some promising signs, which I'm sure we'll get into when we dive into it a little bit more. But overall, weather turned out good, and it was a uh, I think overall it was a good day for Carolina football.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. And, you know, let's dive into it pretty quickly here. And first, we got to talk about the quarterbacks because we had three guys that were on display and it kind of went in the reverse direction that I think most of us thought. Cade Fortin actually had the worst day of the three quarterbacks, completing just two of his six passes. And then Jace Reuter had a really solid day, but most of it was aided by the 77-yard completion to Carl Tucker. But he, he still did have a couple of other completions that looked really good. He showed good mechanics. And then, uh, really, Sam Howell, I think, was the one that surprised a lot of people. First of all, started the game. And then after that, um, I mean, he looked great, really, most of the way. That first drive, he was able to drive him down the field. Looked really good with Daz Newsome, who we're expecting to be one of our top receivers this year. So, I mean, when you look at the quarterback situation uh, does this just kind of sum up the fact that we're probably in for a really long battle with these guys?
1: Yeah, I, I don't think, I honestly don't think any of the coaches have any idea who the starter is. And I, I really mean, I know they're saying that a lot to the public, but I, I genuinely believe, and Matt Brown says it all the time, that he's got three quarterbacks that A, he would have all recruited in Texas, and that B, can all start and win us football games. So I think, the big, like you said, you summed it up well when you talked about the football, about the quarterbacks and their performance in the spring game. Uh, I thought Kate Ford was a little disappointing, to say the least. I was a little bit shocked in the way he played. I thought uh, when I saw him in open practice, he looked good. He looked like one of the better quarterbacks out there, if not the best. In the spring game, he just didn't do much, didn't look really at the races. I'm not sure what that uh, was about, but you know, like I said, it's the spring game, and I'm going to continue to say you can't really look too much into that, but... Uh, Sam Howell looked really good. I thought Sam Howell had a good day. I thought Jace Ruder, one thing I noticed about Jace, I thought he had the best day, like you said, Anthony. And one thing I noticed about him is uh, Longo and the office of staff seemed to call a lot more plays using his legs. He, I know you remember him diving for that touchdown, which maybe in a real game he doesn't get to, but still, I, I think it was close, and he probably would have ended up scoring in a real game anyway. But – they seem to utilize Ruder's legs a lot more. And I think with all three of those quarterbacks, I think Howell's got some wheels. He's not quite as athletic as Ruder is, in my opinion. And then Fortin's more of a pocket passer, pro-style quarterback. He's can run. We saw him run a little bit last year, and, uh, including the time when he got injured uh, earlier in the season in his first start against the Virginia Tech. But I think all three quarterbacks should- – they all showed some decent things. Like I said, Fortin was the most disappointing, but I thought Ruder and Howell showed how good they can be. And I think, like I mentioned, this quarterback battle is wide open right now, man. I can't call it. I don't think any of the coaches can call it. And that's a really, really good problem to have. And I, a lot of uh, I've seen a lot of fans. They want Howell to start, and they're kind of. I think I had some fan respond to me on Twitter. I thought I said Jason Ruder, I thought I had the best day, and he was like. Uh, Sam Howell looked the best by miles and miles, and I, I tweeted it back, and I was like, man, I just don't agree with that. That's not what I saw on the field. Mm-hmm. I think the, each three guy could start, but I don't think anybody in the spring game necessarily stepped out and, and separated themselves, and I don't think it would have mattered anyway. If Ruder would have gone out there and served for 300 yards, uh, I, I still think the, 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 the quarterback battle would be wide open uh, when, when practice starts back in early August. So, like I said, really, really good problem to have, having three solid quarterbacks, but mm-hmm there's still a lot to be determined, it'll be really interesting to see who ends up being the starter, because, I mean, as you could probably agree with, that's going to be the main storyline going into uh, going into football season.
0: Oh, definitely, yeah. Fall camp will definitely be focused on those guys, and I mean, there'll be some other position battles that we'll talk about, but yeah, I think, um, that, you know, I, I did think that Howell did have the best day of the three, but I really did think that Reuter was right there with them, and you're right, I did notice that Reuter, they they did utilize him a lot more on rollouts. Howell was more in the pocket, which is you know, I guess somewhat to be expected, but also a little yeah. bit shocking because I've followed him for four years and he is mobile. And in, at the oh, high yeah. school level, they did use him a little bit on, on rollout situations, but they seem to really like Reuter on the run. And you're right. I, I don't, I mean, Bryson Richardson was not happy with the fact that they gave that touchdown to Reuter. He <laughs> thought that he touched him down. Um, you could see that uh, right after the play, Richardson kind of just put his hands to the sky. Like, what am I supposed to do? I mean, I'm, I, can only touch him, but uh, yeah, no, I, I, I thought overall w- the thing that I think Howell did was there were some people that were saying right before the spring game really that final scrimmage that there was some separation between the redshirt freshman and uh Fortin and Reuter and that Howell was kind of that number three guy I think now if anything he just closed that gap and now really those three are just neck and neck together that's kind of the only thing that I think he can take away and I think you're right I don't think they would have based a starter on what they saw in the spring game um, yeah. and, unless someone just came out and threw for like 500 yards. And, yeah, you know, like that. Yeah. yeah, then maybe you gotta sit there and say, well, we might have to yeah, go with this. He might game. be a stud
1: or something.
0: Right, <laughs> right, right. Um, but, you know, there were some other good storylines that came out of the game. I thought Corey Bell Jr., Um, I know, I'm pretty sure you were the one that tweeted this during the game. We had heard so much about him, uh, you know, with what he had shown in camp and since the move to wide receiver, and pretty much, I mean, he either, I mean, he might have exceeded those expectations. He looked fantastic. I mean, he was the only guy on that second unit that really caught a pass. I mean, at this point, Corey Bell Jr.'s got to have some sort of role in this offense, you would think, in the fall, right?
1: Yeah, I would 100% 100 expect that. And I also tweeted this during the game, and I'm sure you saw it, but he he reminds me a lot of Daz Newsome. Even in the way he runs around, Mm -hmm. even the way he catches, he's very similar body type to Daz Newsome. But even in the way he just plays the game reminds me a lot of Daz. And as we know, we met with the coaches yesterday and talked to them for a little bit. And Lonnie Galloway, kind of the wide receiver's coach, kind of mentioned that Daz was his number one guy going in. He didn't straight up say that, but that's kind of what he alluded to. Right. And I think that's good because Corey Bell, like I, like I mentioned, he's a guy that really reminds me of Daz Newsome. So if you're comparing – if your guy that just switched over to wide receiver is, is, is looking like and playing like and playing honestly – I thought they both had equally really good games, Daz and, and Corey Bell. If you got a guy that can come in straight like that and really impress and look like your number one receiver, I mean, that's great going forward. And, and, and more good news for Corey Bell is Carolina just doesn't have a lot of depth at that slot, uh, the slot receiver position. I know Toe Groves has played there a little bit. I'm not sure if he's going to be out, uh, utilized as a slot receiver going into this offense. Um, but he'll definitely get reps. But like I said, I think Corey Bell really impressed me. He was one of my biggest takeaways from the spring game. And we mentioned in the podcast before that we were on, he was the guy that we were looking out for. It. Overall, I think he did some really nice things. I, I remember him dropping one ball, which was expected. I know a few wide receivers – had some drops in that game, and Mac Brown's talked about it all spring, that one thing that this this team as a whole has to cut down on is, is dropping the ball. Carl Tucker had a, a really a pretty bad drop when he was wide open in, right. in, in, in the spring game as well. So, But overall, to answer your question, I think Corey Bell showed that he can get some playing time. I would be shocked if he doesn't have a big role in this offense because not only are we starting to see the talent, but I think he's a guy that a lot of the coaches like, a lot of the players like, and we had the chance to interview him uh, a couple weeks ago after practice, and he's a really, really intelligent kid, really well-spoken kid, so really happy that he's kind of found his way on the field, and I mean, you never know, having a guy like that that comes in and... and I mean, nobody's going to know how to game plan him for him because nobody's ever seen him play wide receiver. So that could be a big advantage uh, for Carolina in this offense going into into August.
0: Now, one of my other biggest takeaways from what we saw on Saturday was the offensive line with the first unit really just focused on Joshua Izudu, who started at right guard, and I thought looked really good. I mean, the first touchdown of the game for Javante Williams was actually right behind him, and I thought he was – a a, a real shock of a a guy that really jumped out to me. I think a lot of people are kind of thinking in their mind, isn't that supposed to be William Barnes there? But I don't know if maybe you've seen something over the last couple of weeks of spring camp and then on Saturday, but why is Izudu the guy that's sort of taken over that role there at right guard? And do you think that he could stick there come fall? Yeah, Anthony. I'm going to give you uh,
1: I got a little information yesterday. I was talking, we were at the, uh, Talking to the coaches yesterday, all the coordinators, and I mean, not nothing crazy, but uh, Stacy Searles, the new line coach, we were talking to him, and I, I don't remember who it was, but someone asked him about Barnes, and you know, why kind of asked him the same question you're asking, and he said that Barnes has had some weight issues this spring, and I don't know what yeah. he meant by that. I don't know if he is too big right now or if he's too small. I mean, he's. A Big kid, I'm assuming maybe he's just not in the in the greatest of shape right now. Mm-hmm. And I really have no idea where that came from or what's happening with that. Unfortunately, I mean unfortunately in a lot of ways, some of Carolina's highest recruits over the past five, ten years just haven't turned out to be the players that they thought would be. I remember you'll probably remember Travis Hughes at the linebacker position right. four or five years ago. It was like a five star one of the highest-rated guys. He's either a high four or a low five-star. was one of the highest-rated guys back in 2011, 2012, class camera. But when it was, mm-hmm. it didn't really turn out to do anything for Carolina. So William Barnes was one of the highest guys, if not the highest guy in Carolina's class last uh, – the 2019, this past year, probably besides uh, Sam Howell. Or, well, two years ago with, with him in 2018. But he hasn't, for some reason, turned – into the player, and like I said, Searle said it had to do something with weight, which I would love to know more about, but won't really be able to get that information, honestly. But um, to answer your question about Azudu at the same time, I think Azudu I know Searles mentioned him him yesterday, kind of went out of his way to mention him and say, this guy's, I mean, he didn't say it like this, but he basically said this guy's good and he's going to get some playing time this year. So, like I said, I think Barnes, the reason we're not seeing him as much is it's got something to do with his physical condition right now. I don't mm-hmm. know what specifically, but it has something to do with his weight. Maybe he's just not buying in and, and really um, excelling right now that he like he should be. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how that kind of develops because I think is a really capable guy there, too. And like I said, right. the fact that uh, Stacey Searles kind of went out of his way to talk about him and mention Izudu to uh, towards the end of our time meeting with him kind of says a lot about him. and. I hope Bonds can figure it out. Can can hopefully figure that physicality and weight out because it's just a disappointment to see a a really really good OLAM and one of the biggest pickups in the 18 class just you know not being able to see the field right now. You just hate to see that.
0: Right. And I mean, it is still early. He's still only a redshirt freshman. So there is a lot of time. Um, but you are right about some of those guys that came in as really highly rated recruits. Jalen Dalton was one of them that came in really highly rated, but uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, similar to Barnes did have to move positions. He went yeah. from defensive end to defensive tackle. And that was one of the things that I think a lot of people, you know, that I've talked to have said maybe that was part of the reason why Dalton really did have some motor issues because he really did want to play at defense End and really got frustrated yeah. playing inside. Maybe that's something similar to you know why Barnes is you know struggling to make weight and, and stuff like that at this point because he did come in as an offensive tackle and has now been pushed inside to guard. So yeah, that could be something interesting to keep an eye on and that's uh, great information. But yeah, Zudu, I, I think you know it's a guy to keep an eye on going forward into uh, fall camp and I think really could be a key part of this offensive line this year. The last thing that I wanted to mention offensively you know we saw in the backfield Javante Williams had another fantastic day which you know at this point I don't think that's really shocking anyone this guy I feel like is going to be a huge part of this team this year Antonio Williams did play but one of the more interesting things and this was not something that was publicized Michael Carter didn't play is there any information that you can give us on the severity of what looks to be some sort of hand injury or potentially wrist injury for Michael Carter yeah,
1: Anthony, I don't have a ton of information on what went into that. I, like I said, you're right on that wrist injury. I saw him after the game in the tunnel, and he had that – I believe it was his left – I can't remember what armor it was, but you probably saw it. He had that wrist taped up mm-hmm. really bad. Um, I don't necessarily know what happened. I will say that one thing Mac Brown is – and one thing Mac Brown said a couple weeks ago that really interested me, it was after the spring practice. And he came out and he said there was two guys I asked about when I first got here to see if they were still on the roster. He said Malik Carney and Michael Carter. Obviously, Malik's gone. But he, asked, he said there was two guys he asked about specifically to see if they were still in Carolina. And, and you got to think, I mean, Mac Brown's been busy with ESPN. He watches Carolina, but he doesn't watch them every game. So the fact that he pointed out a guy like Michael Carter, who I think most UNC fans would agree with is one of our best play- Carolina's best players on offense, Right. Uh, says a lot. But one thing he also came out and said is Michael Carter has to get in the weight room. He has to get bigger. And what I think he meant by that is the fact that I mean, we've seen it over the past what year and a half now. Michael Carter picks up these nagging little injuries and it just sets him back because he is such a talented player. He's a guy mm-hmm. who can catch the ball in space. He's a guy that can run over you if he need if need be. He's a guy that can miss. And he's just such a good running back. and such a good athlete to have on this team. That's why Mac Brown likes him so much, but – Like I said, I think Mac Brown came out and said he needs to gain more weight, and I think it's just for little injuries like this. He's just, right now, unfortunately, an injury-prone guy. That If he can put on some more weight, get a little bit in in better shape, I think you're going to see those injuries cut down. But, no, I don't have a a specific update on what it is. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's anything that's huge. I think, it's, I think it was probably more of a precautionary measure than anything. There's no point risking him in a game like that if his if wrist is a little bit injured. But if I remember correctly, he's had problems with his wrist in the past. I think even – I don't. I know he missed a couple games last year. I can't remember if it was because of a wrist injury. But I, I want to say he's had some problems with his wrist before. So he, he's got to figure out a way to – get over that, and he's got to figure out a way to put on some more muscle, because if he can do that, I mean, if he can just stay healthy, he's such a good player, and he's a, Carolina, a player that Carolina's going to rely on on offense. I know they have a ton of depth with Javante and Antonio, but you got to have a guy like Michael Carter in your team if you want to be successful, but like I said, I don't think it's anything to worry about. He practiced and participated for 95% of spring. I think that wrist injury must have happened in the last few days of practice, maybe even the last practice before the spring game, so he'll be fine, but like I said, he, the one worrying factor is with Michael Card he does just seem to pick up these nagging injuries that keep him out of games, and he's such a good player that you need him out there healthy. So he'll be fine. Just got, I think he just needs to rest up that wrist and, like I said, put a little bit of weight on to help him prevent some of those little injuries.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, and and the reason it is concerning is because last year that is why he missed the opening two games of the year uh, with a wrist injury and it was the left wrist so uh, I think that is why some people are a little concerned with that but that is good to hear that he did participate through most of spring camp and you're probably right, I think that was one of the reasons that they kept him out was just in case there was something um, that could potentially be made worse in the spring game or potentially extend into to the fall, but you know, you go to the defensive side of the football. The first thing that stood out to me was really the lack of defensive back depth because if there was a guy that could be yeah. out of the lineup, he was out of the lineup. Um, I mean, I, I don't mean to overreact, but there were two guys at safety active for the spring game. That's it. It was Bryson Richardson and Graham Euclid, and there was nobody else that the Heels had active in the secondary. And I know there were some people that I heard around me that were like, you know, why is number 20 still in there? Why is number six still in there? They've been out there the whole time, and they're struggling. Well, there's no one else that they could put in there. The defensive back depth, I think at this point – I know that there's a lot of talent there. I mean, we saw Patrice Renee have a good day. We saw uh, Trey Morrison. And really, I thought both Greg Ross and Trey Shaw had good days as well because, really, the outside receivers didn't do a whole lot. But, I mean, there's got to be a little concern here with the depth right now in the defensive backfield, right? I mean, you're rolling two guys out there at safety, and that's it. There's got to be some concern right now.
1: Oh, 100%, Anthony, and it's – and the coaching staff is is admitted that. I mean, Mac Brown said it a few times after spring practice that they just do not have enough depth. He said, "I think the offense will be fine." I think it was the exact words were, "I think the offense will be fine," but defensively we are just short. We just need more players. and and, and he's mentioned it before. But one of his things is one of my favorite. The sayings that Mac Brown says is, is depth builds camaraderie because you know you have people behind you that can step up. So you're not, you know, out there. Sometimes you can go out there playing scared if you know you've got nobody behind there capable of of backing you up. When you have talented guys behind you, it helps you. It gives you more confidence to go out there and play like you would. And the biggest concern for me is probably the safety and linebackers group, obviously, which we'll talk about, I'm sure. But mm-hmm. safety position right now, you're right, Anthony. They've got two guys in that spring game in Richardson and Eckland that played. Um, I'm trying to think. I know um, Javon Terry was, who actually I mentioned him last time, went to high school with, same high school as him. He was in, I want to say he was in a sling. I saw him before the game. Maybe a collarbone injury. I would expect him to be back by fall. Um, And so you you throw him in there and he'll get some playing time, probably. But the one biggest thing that concerns me is is not the fact, I mean, obviously the the lack of depth behind Miles Wolf and Miles Dorn is concerning, but. I mean, unfortunately, over the past few years too, Miles Dorn and Miles Wolf have been two—I mean, two of the most injury-prone guys on this defense. Unfortunately, I mean, Miles Dorn seems to always get these little injuries. Last year, if you remember, I want to say he played in the California game last year and didn't play for like three or four games after that. Yep. Yep. Um, and that's really concerning. And then you add Miles Wolf, who's picked up his fair share of injuries. And I think the the problem that a lot of Carolina fans are going to face, and, and and a lot of anybody will face that follows the team is. We're going to base our injury situation on what happened under Fedora's staff, which is completely understandable because it was just unbelievable what happened and nobody really seems to be able to figure it out. Matt Brown said he's looking into it and really trying to actively figure out why there were so many injuries. But he said he really hasn't been able to find anything out yet. And Whether that's just him not telling us or, or him holding his uh, – or just ha- really uh, sincerely having no idea, I don't know. I think it's probably of him more of holding the, his cards close to his chest, which I can't blame. Right. But we're going to base a lot of the injury concerns going forward and the lack of depth on what happened previously. I would be shocked under this new regime if Carolina has even half the amount of injuries they uh, experienced last year over the past two years going into this season. But you're right. I mean, it, you know, God forbid a Miles Dorn and Miles Wolfa goes down and, and misses even two, or three games in the middle of the season. That's going to be huge because I think Bryson Richards is, is capable. He didn't really impress me a ton in the spring game, and which is, you know, he tore it up last spring and then didn't really see a lot of playing time during the season. Not sure what's going on with him. He didn't really impress me a ton during the spring game. I didn't think he was bad. He saw a lot of reps, which probably had a lot to do with it. Right. I'm not saying he was bad or anything, but I. I Eklund and Richardson, no offense to them, but having them as backups is very, very concerning because, like I said, a lot of the importance of having a healthy secondary is huge. I mean, it's not even only at the safety position. I mentioned the linebackers. is at the cornerback position, mm-hmm. too. And I think safety, even maybe more so than linebackers, is my biggest concern right now because you're right. There's just no depth behind going in Wolfwick, and that's going to be a major problem because I mean, based on what we've seen from Wolfuck and Dorn over the past two or three years, they struggle to stay healthy. And if anything, like I said, I don't think the injuries will be as bad this year. I would be completely shocked. But if there's anything we've learned from those two guys, staying healthy has been a problem. Carolina just really can't afford that going into the next season. They have to have Wolfwick and Dorn healthy and ready to go every game. If they don't, I think they're really going to struggle.
0: Well, yeah, I I think you you got some points there. Of course, I I think DJ Ford returning will help too because he didn't play. Yeah, yeah. He Um, had
1: a little knee brace on. He was. Practicing, I want to say he's kind of like Michael Carter, practicing majority of the time, and it was held out. He had just a very small, um, almost it was just like some wrap over his knee, nothing major, didn't have you know a metal brace or anything like that. So I think that was more precautionary, but yeah. D.J. Ford does have some good depth, and he's got some praise um, in the spring too from from um, some of his coaches and
0: teammates. Right, and, and so I think with him, you mentioned Javon Terry, who actually I think is really versatile and, and can play both corner or safety. Yeah. Um, so that that'll definitely help. Returning some of those guys will definitely help. Uh, and I think you're right. You know, Bryson Richardson, I do think had some struggles in the game on Saturday, but part of that I think is just the fact that him and and, and both. It's same thing with Euclid. I know he got beat on the deep touchdown. Pass Pass on third and thirteen from uh, Howell to Roscoe Johnson, and I think part of that was just he had been out there the entire game, and yeah. he, he just and and you got to think this is a guy in Graham Euclid who was a transfer um, from a JUCO college, but is still considered a preferred walk-on. He is not yeah. a guy that's on scholarship, and yeah. he was pretty much just thrown out there and told, all right, we need you out there for pretty much the entire game. So you know those guys, I I, I don't you know anybody that's really gonna. Slight them for what they saw on Saturday. They were put in a tough situation, um, but yeah, I think you're right. There is still some concern there. And then you mentioned linebacker. Yeah, I, I think that position is the the most uh, of the most concern now, um, especially after the news from last night. So now, I, I mean, this group is just ridiculously thin. Uh, it will help. I mean, now at this point, it's pretty much crucial that Jonathan Smith does return from um, you know his. Academic issues off the field, and we do have to see some of the young guys step up. We're going to have to see Kadri Jackson, the true freshman who was an early enrollee, step up. Eugene Asante really has to live up to his four-star billing when he comes on, uh, you know, in the fall, pretty much immediately, because he's going to be counted on in the depth role really early in his career. You know, linebacker, I I think, is one of those positions of major concern, but there was a guy that stood out to me, and I'm interested to see what you think about whether or not he could play a role. I thought Alex Nobles, the walk on who was a defensive end last year, converted to linebacker this year. I thought he had a fantastic game and really looked like he knew exactly what he needed to do in that defense. Flew around like I think, you know, Jay Bateman wants in some of his defensive players and, and did finish with four tackles, three of which were for a loss. So, I mean, is there a chance that really just due to the lack of depth there that maybe a guy like Alex Nobles or um, maybe even one of the other walk-ons will have to step up and play a pretty significant role here in the fall? I
1: I, I think that's a, a great observation. I think that's something that will Will unfortunately have to happen because you know with obviously with the with the likes of Kane Robertson and Zach Wright, you know, not a, a long on the team. That's two other guys in the linebacker position that was already depleted that are no longer there. And you're gonna see a lot of guys like you mentioned, the soft For instance, they're gonna they're gonna have. You know, as they call it, baptism by fire. They're gonna just get thrown into it. It's 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 gonna be a learning curve, and it's really gonna help them in the next two, three seasons. I think it's gonna make Carolina a better team in the future. Now, going into into 2019 is a major concern. Mm-hmm. And there's some guys, and I think I think Chance Rats, you know. Gonna be forced to play, and I think right. he's got some praise. I he say, I think Tommy Thigpen yesterday said his football sports and his IQ of football are just outstanding. Very smart guy, and he, he's gotten the weight around. He's gotten faster. He he he's, he has the athletic ability to do it, but he's never played in the position before. So that is a so, concern, uh, at least at the college level, and and I think he will be able to do some nice things. And, and Jeremiah Gill as well. I think he'll be able to do some nice things if he continues to continues to live up to the billing he's got in the spring. But you know what? Right, it's one, one thing I liked about Jay Bateman that he said yesterday was I, I didn't watch. I watched about two of Carolina's games when I came in in terms of film. He said I wanted to have a completely clean state, slate when it came to observing the players he he's going to be coaching which I really thought was a smart way to go about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't want any preconceived notions here. You know, he missed the tackle of this game, so he might be bad this year. He didn't want any of that. He wanted to change it to themselves. So I think a good thing about Bateman's defense is, in theory, what he did at Army with um, undersized guys in a lot of positions, um, not as talented guys. The fact that had, I think that we ended up like number seven or number nine defense in the country. I can't, I know it was top ten. It's unbelievable. So I think that gives us, some, in Carolina, a little bit of hope going forward it they're going to be all right at that linebacker position. But as we know, I mean, if you don't have good linebackers, your defense is going to struggle. And it's going to be a big – it's going to be something that, that Carolina's going to really struggle with this year. And I said it in a tweet today. I think Jay Bateman's defense is going to be spectacular in a few years. But I do think, unfortunately, they will struggle next year. And it's not to do with talent. They've got some really good
0: talent in some spots. Mm-hmm. The problem is they've got no one at second string, third string,
1: to come in and replace that talent. So when you're playing, you know, your starters 90% of a game, 80% of a game, um, you're going to get injuries nationally. It's not it has nothing to do with what's going on off the field. It's just going to happen. It's, people are going to get banged up. People are going to get tired. Um, those things are going to happen. So Carolina's got to – Hopefully a guy like Asante can come in and step up. Mm-hmm. But I, I thought you were right. I thought there were some guys in the spring game that, that really did some nice things. Uh, speaking of Nobles, and I think he's going to be forced to play as well. Like I said, if you're a linebacker on this Carolina team, you're still on the roster. I mean, you have a very, very good shot to get playing time. It's really just about who can step up and, and take control of this this defense. It's good that Gimmel's done it. It's good that Rats made some strides. Mm-hmm. Um and jonathan smith really has to return he was in the spring game so i, I would be shocked if he doesn't return based on what i'm hearing um right. from him and from guys around the program so I, I, i'm very positive jonathan smith will be back and that'll add a little boost to that linebacking court but yeah i mean unfortunately we could talk about the defense all day but there's just a ton of question marks and like i said it doesn't really have to do with uh talent and the starting spots but once you get into that second, and third string, man, it's it, it's thin, and, and that's unfortunate. And it, it's going to be one of the thinnest defenses in the ACC. And there's a lot of coaching changes, but um, just with everything going on, there, there's going to be a uh, it's going to be tough to see how this defense does. Like I said, I think they'll be fine in the next few years, and I'm really excited to see them in 2021, 2022. But uh, going into 2019, defense is a concern, especially at that linebacker position.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, one of the areas that's really not thin, though, is the defensive line. That's mm-hmm. that's about the area, that, that's the one area I think that Carolina can feel pretty confident in the guys that they have down there. Um, you got to remember that's Alan Cater and. Uh, Jason Strobridge. Neither one of them are with the team right now in fall or were with the team in spring camp because of injuries. So they'll return um, and, and that would be huge for Carolina, I think, to have both of those guys back. I think that will add even more depth to a unit that I think, we, as we saw in you know the game on Saturday, does have some pretty good depth. There are some guys that I think really look pretty solid. I thought uh, Zach Gill really had a pretty solid day up there and showed that he could be effective at one of those uh, defensive end spots, uh, but you did see a couple of guys playing out of position, like Brant Lawless uh, was playing on the defensive at the defensive end spot. Um, I think most people projected him as probably a nose tackle, but I think really just because of you know the, the the lack of guys there in the spring, I think he did have to move over to that defensive end spot. But there really is some pretty good depth there. Um, you know, I, I would I'm interested to you know hear what you saw from the defensive lineman and what you think about that unit. And do you have an update on Nolan DeFranco? Because I know he did have an injury in the spring game and um, didn't play in the second half of the game. Uh, I don't know if maybe you've heard anything on him. No, to
1: answer your second question, I, don't, I, I haven't heard anything about DeFranco. Um, I, I hope he's okay. Like I said, unless it's a, a bad injury and ACL or knee problems it's going to keep you out for months and months. I would expect him to be back in the fall. and mm-hmm. um, Like I said, Carolina needs depth in any position. I think that you did mention the D-line being really set, and I agree with that. I think one of the things Matt Brown's done this spring is he said, I'm not I'm basing the my lack of depth at certain positions on what I've seen. And the fact that he hasn't seen um, Strowbridge or Cater play yet is the reason he's kind of saying that. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and it's, from that side of the you're like, okay, Matt, like, if you've seen any of Carolina's films, you would agree that Cater and Strowbridge were two of Carolina's best defensive linemen last year. And I have them back as huge, especially Shurbridge. Right. So I think you're right in that position. I don't think... The D-line's uh, a bit of a concern. I, the one thing, uh, the problem I have with judging them during the spring game, you'll probably agree with me on this, is just the, a lot of the sacks they called where, I mean, half the time the cornerback, even in a real game, probably wouldn't have got touched. They weren't right. really close. him. So Mac was pretty quick to call those would, for obvious reasons, and um, I don't mind him doing that. I think it helps the O-line out because it's putting more of an emphasis on blocking. Don't even let him get anywhere close to the quarterback, which is what you would hope would happen in a real game. But to answer your question, I think the D line, like I said, it's kind of hard to judge them off the spring game, really solely about, upon that. But I mean, Carolina's got a really, I think, a, a really top—I'd say one of the top four or five O lines in the ACC. So the fact that the D line in the spring game was able to get some really good pressure on um, on the on the on the quarterback for most of the game was really good. The the is is just the fact that you got to get those guys healthy. How they fit into the system and with the new coaching staff, because in any new coaching staff, you, you can have problems with guys buying in, attitude problems. I don't think Carolina will have problems sure, with they' and Tatum at that position, especially um, with the talent that they have. But yeah, getting those guys back is going to be huge, and it's going to be interesting to see how this D line continues to continues to develop. I think it's. Their strongest position on defense right now, mm-hmm. I think safety's is looking pretty, I'm not these cornerbacks at the starting position with Renee and, and Ross is looking pretty solid right now. Trey Morrison um, kind of playing that rover nickel position. He's looking really good. But, I mean, as we know, we mentioned the linebackers being crucial, but, I mean, honestly, even more crucial is that D-line. Because we've seen it in the past few years with, with Carolina's defense. It's been bad. And if you can't get pressure on a quarterback over the past few years, Carolina's just got completely torched. And with Bateman coming in, he's going to give you a lot of different looks. He pretty much blitzes every, every play in, in different ways. You just don't really see it. It's not just your traditional blitz. Maybe coming from the D-line every time, the linebackers every time. It's going to be coming from a lot of different areas in pretty much every play. So right. I think that versatility will help him out. But, yeah, I think that D-line's going to be fun. And I'm excited. I'm really, really excited to see the kind of year Strowbridge has because – I think he's one of the most slept on players on this Carolina team. I thought he really came into his own at the end of last year and middle of the season last year and really did some nice things. And Almost was dominant at times. Um, especially, I remember watching McKinnon Stadium a few times. I can't remember what games they were specifically, but I just remember him having some really, really good games. Him and Carney down there. So The D-line's looking solid. Some guys are still going to have to step up. Zach Gill's going to have to play some more minutes. Guys like that are going are to obviously have to do some more things down there, but uh, like I said, I think that D line is probably the safest bet um, in terms of depth uh, on this team right now on the defensive side of the ball. And- hopefully they can just put that product out onto the field um, on Saturdays
0: come come the fall. Well, we've cycled through every other position group, so why don't we touch on special teams here, and then we'll get you out of here. Uh, I I think, really, the kicking game looked pretty good. I really liked what I saw from Noah Ruggles. Uh, He made all of his uh, field goal attempts, uh, both of them, and then hit every extra point as well. Uh, Three of three on extra points, two of two on field goals. Granted, the longest field goal was a 42-yarder, but, you know, I guess we got to give him some credit, it was an 18-point field goal, so I I mean that's a lot of pressure to win the game, uh, but he nailed it. Cooper Graham I thought also looked pretty good uh, and looks as if he might be the guy that's going to handle kickoffs as well, um, Uh which is an interesting note. Uh, But the punting position... Not really quite as stable, I think, and I think that's something that we heard coming out of camp from uh, really the coaching staff in general, but especially from Mac Brown. Uh, Matt Spakella was the guy who was the first to punt, and then Mike Seltzer, the second. Neither one of them really had uh, a great punt, but granted, they only punted once each time. But that's kind of something we've heard. So it looks like the true freshman Ben Kernian, uh, when he comes in, he's going to have an effect early on. So. I mean, when you looked at the special teams unit, I mean, you didn't get a whole lot out of them. And that was somewhat expected because of the fact that we didn't have um, a full uh, really enough depth to be able to put a whole special teams unit out there to block and, and, and rush on field goal attempts and to do the same on kickoff. So, I mean, at least the kicking position looks good. Punting position, not so much. Is that kind of what you took away?
1: Yeah, 100%. I think Noah Ruggles is is capable. We haven't seen him really in a game yet, so we don't really know exactly um, what he's gonna be like come game time. But I thought that field goal in the spring game was impressive. I mean, uh, that one thing Matt does at the end of practice that I really like is he um, always makes the, he always gives the kicker a situation where it's for the win, and all the guys gotta hang hand around him and kind of put a lot of pressure on him and you know get really excited if he makes it. So I think that's gonna help him. Go. So I think Ruggles is more than capable. Like I said. It's hard to judge him from the spring game like it is really any player. Um, but I think he, that kick at the end of the game was good. He also did some other stuff, you know. So I think I think Ruggles is, is more than capable, and he's going to be the guy that's called upon um, going into uh, next season. But um, I, we talked to Scott Boone yesterday, the special teams coach, and he mentioned that that punting position is pretty wide open right now. Um, he said he's looking forward to Kieran getting in and, and kind of seeing how he fits into this running group because he did some really nice things. a so local guys from Raleigh, I actually lived back to him. so he just scored about fifteen minutes from where I live. Goes to from High School, which is produced <laughs> some decent
0: talent over the past few years. Um, so I think
1: Kieran, he's, he's also from Ireland exam. family's from Ireland, so obviously got uh, soccer in his DNA at least. Hopefully that'll translate onto the uh, onto the football field. But I think is gonna come in and. Honestly, I think that, that punting position right now is wide open, Anthony. And I, I can't call it. Uh, Scott basically said yesterday, you can't call it. He doesn't really have a clue who's going to start right now. Mm-hmm. So I think is Tim, going to have a, a shot to come in and, and maybe take over that position and be the because special teams is important, but especially punting, man, if you can back up your team, uh, the, the opposing team, and just put them in bad situations every time. Um, we know how valuable a punter, having a good punter is to to any team. So, hopefully somebody can step up come fall and and really take over that position. And that's what you want to see in any position group with a new coach and staff. You just want to see guys step up because everybody has equal opportunities. Mm -hmm. And it really comes down to guys just grasping that and taking advantage of what's been given. So, the parting position right now is wide open. I think Ruggles is pretty much a lock to be starting at that that kicking position unless Mm -hmm. something crazy happens in the fall, which I don't see. But... Yeah, the special teams right now, it was a lot, like you said, it was hard to judge just because Carolina really wasn't doing kickoffs. I think, we didn't touch on it, but I think the kick returning and punt returning position is going to be fine. It's going to be mainly between Daz Newsome, Antonio Williams, Toe Groves, and Corey Bell. So, I think those are four guys that are more than capable of doing kickoffs and punt returns as well. So, right. I think the special team is going to be fine. There's a lot of athletes on this team that I think will fit in, and um, Scott Boone seems like a good coach, very experienced guy that's been around the block a few times, so, Special team is going to be fine, but like you said, you got to find a good kicker. I think Ruggles can be that, but more importantly, in my opinion, you really got to find a good putter who can who can put some teams in some situations. And unfortunately, uh, that position is wide open right now, but fortunately for somebody on the team, it's an opportunity for them to step in and, and get some playing time immediately. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that position folds out. But I mean, like you can tell, Anthony, there's a lot of storylines to, to keep an eye on going into fall because we do coach the staff. A lot of roster changes. There's just a lot of things that are wide open in the air right now, including Carolina's most important position at quarterback.
0: Yeah, no, you're right about that. So many storylines that we're going to be keeping an eye on, and there's so many different guys that really had fantastic spring games that we're going to have to keep an eye on and see how they progress into the fall. So, hey, uh, Jacob, thanks for joining me, man. I know this, uh, you know, we were able to get some time carved out here so that we could do this, and I I really appreciate it, man. I know we both got some busy schedules, but, uh, you know, we we had to sit down and and talk a little bit of spring football because I know – you know, for us, we, we were out there really enjoying what we saw. So,
1: yeah, man, it, I appreciate you getting me back on here. I know, we'll definitely do it again. But, yeah, man, it was spring game. It was a good time. It was good to see those guys back out there. I know you enjoyed it, you know, putting out some really good content uh, from that game. And, and, and definitely, if you're listening, go check out uh,
0: what he's doing over on Twitter. But, yeah, man, amazing stuff. And uh, looking forward to getting back on here again soon. Yeah, no problem, man. Yeah, uh, thank you so much. And uh, you're pu- you've been putting out some fantastic stuff as well. Um, some of the stuff also still going on from uh, from the rivals camp. That yes, uh, when you were talking to some of the guys out there, and it's uh, great stuff from you. Uh, you can see that on on, uh, on Jacob's Twitter, uh, or you can head over to uh, Tar Heel Illustrated. I know they've got all their stuff yep. uh, posted online there too. Uh, he does a great job writing for them, and uh, Andrew Jones really scooped him up a good one when he found uh, my guy. Yeah, I Jacob. So, yeah, man. And I got to love you too, so <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> All right, man. Yeah. Hey, uh, thank you again, and uh, you take care. We'll talk to you down the line, man. Uh, this has been fantastic, and uh, who knows? Maybe uh, we'll, we'll have you on uh, maybe throughout the season as well each week to come on and, and just break down what you see in each game, and, uh, you know, that that would be fantastic. Yeah, I'd love to do that, man. All right, man. Hey, you take care, and uh, we'll talk to you down the line, buddy, okay? Thanks, Thanks, Anthony. So guys, that's going to do it for this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. want to thank Jacob for stopping by and chatting with us, helping us to recap the spring game from Saturday. And as you heard him mention there just for a little bit when we were talking about the linebackers, we'll break it down a little bit more for you. Sophomore linebacker Kane Roberts and redshirt freshman linebacker Kyle Wright both have stepped away from the team. And as of the, this moment, it would appear that both are looking to transfer. Kyle Wright uh, did announce that he will be transferring. Kane Roberts was a little more vague with his post, but it looks like he will be transferring as well. Uh, Both of those guys are no longer with the team, for sure. That was something that was confirmed by Inside Carolina's Ross Martin last night and has been expanded as a story as the day has gone along. So the linebacker depth, which was already thin, has in fact gotten even thinner. So, as you guys know, you can check out the podcast. You can go ahead and go to Spreaker, iTunes, Google Podcast, TuneIn.com, the TuneIn app. Radio.com has it. There's so many places that you can go and find the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. You can also find it on www.heeltoughblog.com. That's right, the official website of the Heel Tough Blog. You can go on there, check out all of the articles. We got some stuff about the Tar Heels' latest commit as well. He landed uh, in Carolina just earlier this afternoon. Kendall Carr, the three-star tight end, actually committed to the Tar Heels just a little while ago. So, So he becomes the ninth commit for the Tar Heels in the class, gets them back into the top ten in the 2020 class, and has them sitting third in the ACC as we speak. Now, it has been a frantic start for just about every team in the ACC on the recruiting trail, so the Heels will have to keep it up, but if there's anybody that can do it, it seems like it's Mack Brown. So, thank you guys once again for listening, and as always, go Tar Heels!